you ready? Not an answer. Here we go. Stop talking about Jeez Bickies. All right. Uh, well, for for the moment. For the moment. Yes. Yeah, we'll get to the Jeez Bickies, but for now I'll introduce Gary Smith. Hi. Gary's the co-host of Careless Whispod. Uh, I like to say host. Host. Well, yeah. I mean, you're the brains of the operation. Yeah, and can, the looks. We can badmouth Jeremy while he's not here. Oh, we certainly do while he is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he loves it. He loves the attention, so. Really? He doesn't strike <laughs> me as an attention seeker. <laughs> Oh, he's all right. He goes all right. I, just, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't rag on him too hard. <laughs> no, well, we've got to rag on someone else. Who are we talking about? Tell me your stupid name. Tell me your stupid name. We could rag on the B666 himself. Let's. Alistair Crowley. Alistair Crowley. Did you just play the Tell Us Your Stupid Name song? Yeah. Oh, awesome. So we're taking... We're putting the cult in occult. Yes. Occult. Should yes. I say it like that? Occult. Or yakult. Uh, it's yakult. good for your yeah. digestive system. I reckon that's what Kanye's going to call his cult once it gets going. Yeezy uh, and yakult. Yakult. Mm. Yeah, right. They're going to be weird and the songs are going to be bad, but. So nothing, nothing's changed. Yeah, but their digestive systems, amazing. Spot on. Now, we'll do a couple of disclaimers first. Yes. About the way that we're going to talk about Crowley. Mm. The first one is that there are barely any humans on the planet about which there is more information. <laughs> this is a research. I could have researched for about 9 million years. There's so many facts. We're Hitler, going to miss some out. There's less information uh, in the world about Hitler than there is about uh, Crowley, I reckon. Right? That's because there's conjecture about whether Hitler had a third nipple. And I bet there's no mysteries about Alistair Crowley's <laughs> nipples whatsoever. All his nooks and cronies. All his... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Alistair's nooks. That might be the first no, T-shirt. Look, don't overlook his cronies either. That's no. <laughs> pretty special. Actually, that's the first T-shirt. Don't overlook my crannies. <laughs> and the second disclaimer, even though I could have researched Alistair for about nine years, mm. I had considerably less time to research because, as you know, yesterday my house flooded. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just every time you put a load of washing on, make sure all your tubes are attached. And? Maybe count your tubes. Make sure you're not... You know, researching some creepy, creepy ass shit. If I wasn't deep into a Crowley article, I would have noticed the water spilling out of the laundry and running down the stairs. It, it makes it seem like not a coincidence as well, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Alistair. He's, he's messaging you from the grave saying, <laughs> make me look good. I wouldn't be surprised if he was messaging me beyond from beyond the grave because... It is rare to find a bigger attention seeker. Mm. Even Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy is the Alistair Crowley of Careless Whispod. So, <laughs> <laughs> who are you? Uh, You're the Nikki Webster of Careless Whispod. Uh, I was, I was going to say the Elron Hubbard. You are. Thing. You're the Elron Hubbard. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, I'll go with that. So we're going to basically just. Machine gun a whole lot of facts, mm. and we are going to miss some out. Oh, uh, look, there's definitely there's definitely big uh, holes in my knowledge. Yeah, the kind, not the kind of big holes that Alistair Crowley likes. No, let's say an introduction to Alistair. Yes. Oh, nice. And I'll put a lot of stuff up on the Zealot Facebook page, including the stuff that's too rude for recording. Ooh. I know. And he was born. In 1875, he's old. Mm. Old, old, old man. He was very cool for a for an old fashioned guy. I, I actually uh, researched this. He was born in England. There we go. Oh, that's amazing! He like, was I had that too. There we go. And he was born into a brewing family, so they owned a brewery. And do you know what they were brewing, Gaz? Trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just setting the standard early, so you know what to expect. You've listened to Careless Whispered before. True, true. Oh, my God. I'm dragging you up. Sorry. <laughs> the members of his family, his mum and dad, were members of the Plymouth Brethren sect. Mm. 
He was super conservative. Super strict uh, Protestant fundamentalists, uh, hardcore Revelations fans, Yeah, basically. and I'd even call, call them Dementalists because yes. fun was a sin. Yeah, they definitely put the dement. <laughs> <laughs> Into fundamentalist Christianity. <laughs> but I did a bit of side research mm. in between mopping up the floor. Sure. Oh, that sounds like <laughs> I really enjoyed you the were, research. You were trying some of Crowley's yeah. rituals. Yeah. yeah. And the Plymouth Brethren mm. is now, or at least an offshoot of them, is now the exclusive Brethren. And they operate here and everywhere. And I've actually got them on my list of maybe topics for this oh, podcast. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, except that they do like kind of suing people. So, yeah, my way. Right. Little little Edward Alexander. Edward Alexander Crowley, yeah. He was a daddy's boy. Mm. Loved his dad. His dad was a preacher and, like, Alistair was kind of, I might follow in his footsteps. Which he kind of did, I guess. I guess. Eventually. <laughs> like, same format, different content. Mm, mm. His dad died of tongue cancer when Alistair was only 11. Tongue cancer, again. I mean, it's God telling him something. <laughs> yeah, right. I know, it's like telling him, spend the rest of your life just licking things. <laughs> and he did. Well, th- that was a, a massive turning point, yeah. uh, it feels like, for Alistair Crowley, because it seems like from then uh, he, he didn't get on very well with his mother. He hated, hated his her, mother. And he did everything to kind of uh, to fuck with her, basically. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I, I read one thing. Uh, one of his uh, little plots against his mother was to have sex with their maid on her bed. Which is... It's a bit mean because then your sexual partner has to get up and make the bed afterwards. I mean, you know, that's... Uh, That's uncommon or... Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just burn them. But as a teenager, he smoked, (laughs) masturbated, had sex with prostitutes, and it was mostly to annoy his mother. Yeah, I I believe he contracted a gonorrhea from a prostitute uh, as a teenager. Just to spite her. Yeah, yeah. Take that, mum. And his mum's like, why can't he just try to annoy me by getting into dabbing like kids these days? (laughs) And his mum used to call him the beast. The beast. Referring to the beast in the book of Revelation. Mm. And I think Alistair went, that's an idea. Yeah, he kind of took that on wholeheartedly. Yeah, and decided to call himself the Beast 666, which to her church buddies was hilarious. <laughs> Loved it. But he was kind of a fan of the Book of Revelation, as are a lot of cult leaders generally. Yeah, definitely. Because I think it's so trippy and so open to interpretation. Well, just uh, regardless of whether you believe it or not, just as a piece of literature, it's yeah. compelling. I am upset. What's my favorite thing in it is there's a beast covered in eyes. Mm. And I just I have so many jokes that aren't good about that. Like but... expensive optometrist strips. Yeah, that, that was my stuff. first yeah, one. Right. Thank you for hey, taking no one for the team. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> But do they all blink at once? I'd like to think not. I think it would be more eerie if they didn't. Yeah. Imagine that beast just stopping. Going, wait, wait. Can we just stop the whole end of the world thing? I've got an eyelash. We're going to talk about Alistair when he went to school. And this is where I'm going to start out by saying, I think Alistair Crowley was a rich brat. Who got bored. He was a trust fund baby. Oh, yeah. Uh, He got a really large trust fund at 21. Yeah. He left university to to pursue uh, black magic, basically. (sighs) Which is just, doesn't everyone know one of those people? (laughs) I'm just going to bum around Europe for a bit. We all know a bit of a crowd. I'm taking a gap. Yeah. (laughs) I never had a gap gap year. Life. Yeah. But he went to Trinity College, followed by Cambridge. Cambridge, yeah. And he got really good at chess, and that's when he started calling himself 
Alistair. Mm. Fuck, every, there's one of those bastards at every university. I think it was around this time, and I may be mistaken, so don't... Uh, look, oh e- email Joe if, you, if you've got a problem with <laughs> that. Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> there you go. I think it was around this time he started writing poetry. Uh, that would have gotten him in a lot of trouble around that time. So he published it in other countries under a pseudonym. But I've written down my favourite poem of his. Actually, it's my second favourite. Mm. The first favourite is Too Rude, but I'll put a link to it on the Zealot Facebook page with a trigger warning for everything. <laughs> it's the one that you're going to read about flatulence by any chance. It is, and it's in all the documentaries. I feel like I'm on Careless Whisper. Yeah. <laughs> and it's called When Celia Farts. And this isn't all of it, but it's the main bit. And it goes, when Celia comes, tis earthquake hour. It's got the little apostrophe in front of the tis. The bed vibrates like kettle drums. It is a grand display of power when Celia comes. When Celia farts, my hasty nose sniffs up the fragrance from her parts. Shamed are the violets and rose when Celia farts. It's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Dig it. Dig it. Thanks, Kat. <laughs> oh. It's got quite an unusual meter. Look, I'm going to put it out there. I kind of like his writing. No, yeah, well, like he... some of his poetry was 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 cool, but a lot of his writing, like he was a very prolific writer. Very prolific. Well, the the English department at, at Cambridge, they're no slackers, mm. mate. And he left without graduating because trust fund baby. Mm. Um, he had the money. Yeah, he, he came went... into his money. <laughs> And just so many other things from then on. It was around here, but the, the trust fund part aside, mm. or, or the like, you're being privileged and all that kind of stuff aside, it was kind of here that I, I had a, a sort of admiration yeah. for him. Came up in a very strict, religious, fundamental, fundamentally religious family. Mm. And just every waking hour seemed to be railing against all that. And... Yeah, he didn't going just... so far to the other side of what his family was all about that I mission. had this kind of admiration for him. I, yeah. I, I could, could really relate to that side of his personality. And he didn't just drop out of uni and punch bongs. He, he I mean, he did. Got Well, yeah, true. But, but not he just also, that. He just yeah. got shit done. And one of the, that's one of the he things. He got lots of shit done. Lots of shit done. And he done a lot of shit. The work ethic. And now we're in ni- 19. Oh, I wish we were in 1986. That was amazing. I had the same haircut as Yaz. So we're in 1896. Mm. And that's apparently when he had his first spooky awakening. And he wrote about it. He said, I was awakened to the knowledge that I possessed a magical means of becoming conscious of and satisfying a part of my nature, which had up to that moment concealed itself from me. He's very eloquent. Yes. Mm. It was an experience of horror and pain, combined with a certain ghostly terror. Yet at the same time, it was the key to the purest and holiest spiritual ecstasy that exists. It was an isolated experience, not repeated until exactly 12 months later, to the minute. And that's all fine, but he wrote that on December 31st. He wrote that on New Year's Eve. Right. So you didn't I mean, have a, a revelation. You dropped a pill, mate. <laughs> you were just off your tits, which admittedly he probably was. He he did like partaking. So. He loved a bit of stuff. So he's left school. He's had a revelation. He realizes there's more to stuff. Um, he, he, he wanted to go further than anyone else had ever gone before yeah. into the delving into the occult black magic and just the, the, the dark side of reality, basically. And so he's discovering esotericism, which is all the... It's just the suite of things, you know, alchemy and um, just, you know, all the cool bullshit. Mm. And he's reading widely about it, loves it. And then in 1898, he's introduced to some blokes in the Hermetic Order of the Golden, Golden Dawn. Dawn. Aww. And I, li- I kind of like the idea of the Order of the Golden Dawn. Mm. 
I had I'd heard of them previously. But I didn't know anything until I was researching this mm. and like some of the names on the lists of people that were there, like Yeats and uh, yeah. and uh, Bram Stoker and uh, of Dracula fame, Arthur Conan Doyle, and I and lots of other people have been into it. Um, so I think it's based on the Rosicrucians, and there's four or five cults that have been into those guys. Mm. And Elron Hubbard lo- loved this side of things as well. Mind you, he was, you know, let's not take L. Ron Hubbard as a an arbiter. Of yeah, he's cool he's not a yardstick by not any means. Really. He's he is a bit of a yardstick in the in Without like a derogatory yards, sense. Yeah, he's yeah. A dick. These guys they want to invoke spirits and angels and mm-hmm. stuff just to you know help improve. Just we want to get better, and we don't think that we can do it by ourselves. So let's summon some otherworldly stuff. They, they were studying the paranormal before YouTube existed, before it's really hard. they had a friend in you the other to room to the bumping the, the wall yeah, and all that right. kind of stuff. Yeah. And he and Yeats Yeats, there's many words in here that I don't oh, know whether well, I'm doing it properly. Look, where, where you're in fine company when it comes to mispronouncing things. <laughs> it's, it's pronounced mispronouncing. Oh, sorry. He and Yeats Yeats. Yeats Yeats, yep. They didn't like each other, which seems to be a theme with Crowley, I must say. He rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way. I think he he, he, <laughs> he rubbed a lot, a lot of the yeah he did a lot of rubbing on people. Mm. But when it came to the Golden Dawn, it was most of them except for I think one of the founders he became quite chummy with. But yeah, it was uh, in in a lot of the Crowley stories you find that he does these things for his own self interest. No way, because he was definitely trying to take over the Golden Dawn slash world. Well, yeah, but at this point, it was kind of like precision focus on yeah. Golden Dawn. <laughs> yeah, because he just didn't think they were hardcore enough. He didn't. He didn't think they were delving deep enough uh, for his liking, basically. And also, it's like angels, boring. <laughs> yeah. Let's do some of the more malevolent spirits. They're the cool guys. Yeah, the other the other side of the the coin. But I like that after some of the arguments with Yeats Yeats, mm. they would just go off in a huff and they would cast spells on each other. <laughs> can, can we call him the Yeatsy boys? The, yeah, let's okay. call him Yeast. Yeast. The Yeast infection. <laughs> so Crowley and Yeast would argue and go and cast spells on each other, which is like the nerdiest Big dick energy mm. ever. It's like Alakazam, you bastard. Man, imagine if Magic the Gathering cards existed back then. Either way, the Order had all these really, really fancy rituals for summoning the good guys. Mm. <laughs> Not the appliance salespeople. <laughs> that would be really helpful. I would join that club. Although if you pay cash, they'll slash the prices. And I loved their fancy, fancy ritual costumes. Because mm. they were Egypt-inspired. Yes. You've got a bunch of rich British toffs <laughs> yep. trying to summon angels <laughs> in leopard skin and asps. There is no chance that I would like these people if I was alive at the same time. We're going to see if we can talk to some angels. Yeah, we're going to talk earnestly and unironically about summoning angels. In a gold turban. <laughs> That's a good time. <laughs> But eventually they just considered Crowley kind of too much of a dirtbag to let yeah, him into the upper level, yeah. levels of the order. So he kind of just took off. As he always wanted to do, he, he would kind of focus on things with uh, all his energy for a little while and then just on a flight of fancy he'd be off yeah. with some other project, some and insanely the same with relationships involved. and stuff yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely. But it's kind of like he would turn up, go... Can I be the boss of you? And they'd go, no. And he'd go, fine, and take his toys. In 1899, there was one ritual in the Order of the Golden Dawn called the Abramelin ritual. And it says... Abramelin. Ab- what? There could be Abramelin. Abramelin or Abramelin. Yes, one of those. I can't remember. <laughs> the Abramelin. The Abramelin. Yeah, the Abramelin. Uh, he took a chance on it. Basically. He did. <laughs> Get there. <laughs> he he thanked it for the music. Yeah. <laughs> I got more. <laughs> you know, he thought he might have he might have lost out by doing this ri- ritual, but if he won, he knew the winner takes it all. So, well, not just knowing me, but also knowing you, <laughs> I know that that's true. Yes. Uh, 
Uh, so, anyway, Gremlin. Yeah, yeah. A six-month ritual yeah. to uh, basically convene with demons. And he thought, oh, this needs a house by a lake. So, he went and bought the uh, Beleskin house. The Beleskin, that's the one, yes. Which is on Loch Ness. So, mm. there's a whole bunch of documentaries that go, who was the real monster of Loch Ness? Oh. And the answer is still nobody. What do you think the Loch Ness monster is? Uh, I think it's grit. I think it was Jeremy trying to get attention. <laughs> <laughs> he was just, uh, you know. If anyone wants to listen to Jeremy hating attention, pop over to Kayla's Whispered, the podcast. Uh, on Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Pop music and dick jokes. Where's the floor? Winning combination. Yep. So he buys this house specifically to perform the the Abermelon Abramelin. <laughs> ritual <laughs> and have a disco and be a dancing queen. Um, and he, he wasn't shy about letting people know that that's what he was there for either. Uh, apparently the locals, very superstitious bunch around mm. that time, and uh, they wouldn't go anywhere near the house while he was around, basically. Which... I would love that. Maybe I should tell my neighbours I'm performing a ritual. <laughs> the ritual is specifically for contacting your own personal guardian angel. Right. I mean, just hire an assistant. So he bought the house specifically for it, started the ritual, got bored and stopped. Which is, uh, if you believe the people who are into that kind of stuff, mm. it's a big deal. Because uh, if you stop in the middle of it, there's the potential of uh, bringing things into this world and not sending and them And then back just abandoning correctly. them. Yes, and just leaving them to uh, run amok uh, amongst us. Uh, Look, it's like breaking up with someone and not giving them a reason. <laughs> they need closure. Just ghosting them hard. Otherworldly demons Being need ghosted. closure. So he's like, okay, what now? So he just traveled all over the joint and he's learning about meditation and tantric stuff mm. and yoga. Is there yoga in it, guys? There's yoga. <laughs> and when he'd finished traveling around, he went to Paris and he hung out with artists, including Auguste Rodin. He sculpted the thinker and the thinker was thinking, you're a trust fund baby. <laughs> and there he met and married his first Mrs. Rose. I Rose kind of Kelly. stopped keeping track of a lot of his partners, really, mm. but I'm just mentioning the significant ones. Yeah, yeah. There were quite a few mistresses in the amongst the the, the ones that he married. Chicks, well. blokes, animals, voluptuous vegetables. Uh, Can't remember concepts. all their names. That's <laughs> primary uh, primary colors. Brand new sponges. <laughs> Shapes. Uh, onomatopoeia. Basically. Oh, he loved a fucking <laughs> bit of onomatopoeia. Who doesn't? Uh, Squish. It makes me sploosh. That's for sure. And they went on a trip in 1904. They went on a bit of a trip to Egypt. They did. They were. They got married the day after they met. A bit of a, an acute bridezilla, if you ask me. <laughs> but they're all around Egypt. And then Rose goes, Alistair, I was just meditating. And Egyptian deity Horus just tapped me Came on the shoulder. Came to me and spoke to me. And just wanted to chat. And Alistair was very uh, jealous. He's like, are you this. kidding me? I've been trying to contact him for ages. He never returns my emails. And she's like, yeah. And so he took her to the Egyptian museum and was like, fine, what does he look like? Uh, didn't she find the exhibit yes. on him? And it was exhibit number 666, if I yes. remember correctly. Which I'm convinced that somewhere there there's a lie, but I don't care. Yeah, no, look, this is one of those instances where I don't care what the truth is. No. We've gotten this far and we haven't made a joke about the word Horus. I've got nothing. Mm. I, I don't see how you could make a joke about that. Oh, Horus, Horus. <laughs> that was my nickname in high school. 
I, th- I think it's at this point Rose is starting to exhibit signs that I found a lot of people started to exhibit after hanging around Crowley for any length of time. Anyone that was in his close circle ended up starting to go a little bit kind of left to center, a little bit kind of yeah. cuckoo. Uh, because th- this was after days of uh, like sexual exploration. They, I think, I believe they went into one of the king's chambers in, in one of the, the pyramids Rude. and performed rituals, uh, the, the Goetia or something like that. that might have been then. I can't oh, remember. Oh, no, had a root in a triangle. Yeah, this is when Rose starts talking to Egyptian gods, and I think it was all kind of downhill from there. Yeah. But he also, coincidentally, at around the same time that his missus was getting messages from Egyptian deities, mm. he said, oh, I'm going to write the book of the law because mm. it's being dictated to me by discarnate being Awas, Iwas, as in I was just telling you how to write a book. <laughs> like ayahuasca. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I did uh, read the book of the law as well. That's like when I was on your podcast and I watched the movie Duets. With yeah, I, I think it's only fair. That, Thank you. That I did <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and for the most part, the the, the most important uh, message to take away from it were the, the lines that everyone uh, kind of quotes from it, which is, uh, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. And love is the law, love under will. That's it. That's the one. I had an, I've got an ex-boyfriend called Will. So, yeah, some of the stuff in there, it's like everybody has a true will and as long as you act according to that, then it's all love and harmony and stuff and no two true wills can be in conflict and no one should stop anyone from mm. fulfilling what they want to do, which I think should apply to everyone except magicians. Part of it was also every man and every woman is a star which that's the horrific premise behind Australia's Got Talent. It doesn't really mean do whatever you like. Mm. It just means find what your will is absolutely telling you to do. Yes. Find your purpose. And, it, I mean, it just so happened that his purpose was to fuck everything that moves. I mean, look, it's uh, good work if you can get it. Uh... <laughs> but, I mean, prepare and consent, people. Consent. Can't stress that enough. Well, yeah. Yes. That, that, that's that's uh, definitely uh, important. So, yeah, he's had his the book of the law dictated to him by Iwas. Yeah, the demon who, who uh, spoke over his left sh- shoulder for, I think it was an hour every night until it was completed, his book. That's some regimented demon. Yeah. I'm, it, I need physical symmetry. Something happens to my left hand, I need to have the same sensation in my right hand and that sort of thing. A demon every night speaking over your left shoulder. It's just unbalanced. Yeah, yeah, come on the other side. So many ways. Uh, (laughs) One of the things we haven't mentioned about Crowley is that he was an enthusiastic and accomplished mountaineer. That's true. Uh, I think he, he, he started mountaineering as a teenager. I went back, I found a place that logged every climb. Mm. It's astounding. There's hundreds. Really? He has literally and metaphorically been up everything. (laughs) (laughs) But there's one story that everyone tells about him, which happened in 1905. And I did, I looked up those YouTubes that tell you how to pronounce things and I'm Mm. still mystified. Uh, Counten, Counten Junga. Kanchenjunga. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, like that. a mountain in the Himalayas. So he led an expedition. And as happened so often in his life, he didn't get along with the other people on the expedition. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Just one baby. It, it, was, a, it was a pretty bold uh, expedition as well. Yeah. Uh, it was. Because it didn't get climbed 
properly till that was 50 the, years later. That was the first attempt at climbing it. It's the third highest mountain in the world. Because to climb well. something, you need to know how to say it. And they're like, I don't know. Kenjinjunga. Yeah, they, they, they picked an easier to pronounce um, a mountain. Nobody's getting along. Crowley's having a number of big boy sulks. Yep. And so the team are like, screw you. Yeah. And like, they're like, we're, we're going back downhill. And Crowley's like, well, guys, it's the afternoon. It's, you know, gin and tonic slash avalanche time. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you should. And they're like, fuck you, Crowley. Shut up, Alistair. You're not the boss of us. This was a transcript from. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's their actual voice. <laughs> um, they're, I'm dictating. They're talking over my left shoulder. I'm just an interpreter. <laughs> And so they started to go downhill in the afternoon. And then they really went downhill. They were caught. (laughs) It's just like this podcast. Uh, They were caught in an avalanche. Yeah, the episode I'm on, that's when it starts to go downhill. (laughs) Oh, no. No. Started a while ago. Around Jeremy's episode. (laughs) So, oh, God, the last thing you want is for a smug, egotistical attention-seeking, he's a terrorist, a cult person. He's a a terrorist, yep. To be right about stuff. Yeah. And he was right about the avalanche and four people died. Yeah. Their screams went, uh, they fell upon deaf ears. Yeah. Crowley's deaf ears. He's sitting in his tent. Drinking tea. Listening to them dying. Listening to them die going, I told him. (laughs) It's the ultimate I told you so. Yeah. I mean, he should have saved him just so he could say, I told you so, but he didn't. My old housemate had a boyfriend who had this habit. So he'd do things like going, what are you cooking? I said, I'm cooking a laksa. He's like, oh, you know what you should do? And as soon as anyone says, you know what you should do, my back goes up. You know what you should do? Put some prawns in there. And I said, oh, I'm doing a chicken laksa. And he'd go, oh. One time he said, whose is that gin? And I said, it's mine. He said, how do you have it? I said, I have gin and tonics. And he said, you know what you should do? I said, what? And he said, you should drink martinis. And I said, that's too much work. I go out for my martinis. And he goes, huh? Do you know what Alistair Crowley said? I said, do you know what you should do? You shouldn't go downhill at avalanche time. That's and then right. he heard their screams and he went, huh? Anyway, like I just the, went into the, some the, personal issues. The, the prawn, prawn laksa <laughs> of mountaineering stories. That's a t-shirt. That's a t-shirt. 1907. 1907. And this annoyed me every time I read it in any of the research. He founded the order A dot triangle, A dot triangle. I don't know how they write the dot triangle mm. on their keyboards. Uh, nor I. I usually with that kind of thing, and he's he's a t- t- trick at home. I look up the thing that I'm trying to and copy write. and paste it. Copy and paste. Well, yeah. then my main problem then Who is how did do the you first say one? it on the <laughs> podcast? You uh, say a dot triangle, a dot triangle. Yeah, I understand why people get annoyed with Alistair Crowley. Mm. That's annoying. Hello, my name's Alistair Crowley. I'm the head of A dot triangle, A dot triangle. Sure. Oh, yeah, I've heard of you guys. He surely had some kind of fanciful word for it. As frustrating as it is, it's like he, 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 was, uh, he was processing things on a different level. No, he was the... talented at irritating people. <laughs> and that's proof. He, he, he was a sort of genius in the sense that he had this talent for doing exactly that. Mm. And... Well, he was successful yeah. at it. He was very successful. I am annoyed. <laughs> but he spent all his time just writing manifestos and rules and newsletters and stuff and doing fancy things on his typewriter, clearly. I hereby challenge Alistair Crowley to come visit me, talk over my left shoulder and tell me how that's pronounced. He's probably going to say dot triangle. Yeah. <laughs> probably. And then I, just like he did with those people on the mountain, go, do you know what you should do? You know what you should do. Call it something else. <laughs> so he did. He also joined 
auto templi orientis. Wasn't it the the founder of the the auto templar one? Uh, he thought that Crowley was basically ripping him off oh, uh, when he wrote uh, he when he wrote the Book of Lies, I think it was. <gasps> Uh, but they met, and Crowley uh, adequately convinced him that no, he wasn't ripping him off, and they became fast friends. Apparently, oh, nice. I stopped reading at that point, and I moved on to the next. Because he so knew that know. friendship with Crowley is doomed. It was just after that as well that his Mrs. Rose went a bit mad, became More an alcoholic. Yeah, their first daughter died of typhoid, and Rose was institutionalized. Well, that happened after Crowley left her as well oh they they went to china with the baby in tow he he had kind of had enough of rose and her alcoholism and her going a bit mad he's he ran off quite high standards for someone that's into everything he's into well what's a bit of alcoholism really (laughs) it was it was a theme of his life he 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 would be really into something for a little while and then uh added a a moment's notice, he was off doing something completely different. So at this point, he was off in Shanghai with a mistress. Right. It's like, get him on board, and... fuck him up, see you later. So yeah, Rose was struggling with the with the kid and not having Crowley around and going a bit insane. The baby died of a typhoid and she ended up in a mental institution due to her alcoholism and other mental health issues and probably also due to the early 1900s attitude towards mental illness Mm. Mm. she she was uh logged in at the mental institution as hysterical woman probably right and they would have called it the asylum yes yeah that's right great i'd like on behalf of women i'd just like to thank history yeah okay yeah we've done a great job guys thanks (laughs) so we spent a lot of the First World War in the US. And mm. that's where he met Leah. Leah. Sexy, 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 sex. Now, Leah was, let's say, on board with a lot of Alistair Crowley's depraved shit. Loved it. Loved it. She, she's keen. And apparently they had an instant attraction and spent most of their first meeting pashing. Or as the kids say these days, macking on. Do they even say that? Uh, I think tongue fucking. Tongue is a, fucking. Yeah. That's what it is. Thank you so much. Uh, and what, Whatever happened to tonsil hockey? That's like, oh, no. <laughs> or necking. Necking's <laughs> weird. That's a weird thing to call it. Everyone from the 50s is wrong. Um, Smashing mouth and they while had you're the- walking on the sun. They had a super perverted sex life, which was great. I mean, it's great when you find someone that's into the same weird shit you are. But it, it did include Leah having sex with a goat. But I think that's going down the lines of let's shock as many people as possible. Didn't let's it? let everyone know I did this. Don't kiss and tell, Leah. He got Leah to do some stuff that we'll talk about later. But he also wrote a filthy... 666 word poem about her and i think it's uh, called, have you got an excerpt i don't it's ah. called i think it's called leah sublime but i'll put a link to it on Excellent. the facebook page uh it's about leah and her vagina yeah snores snores but then we go and this is where it really gets into the occult cult mm. territory move to sicily i'm gonna backtrack a little <gasps> yeah, bit yeah because after he left China, he came back to, I think he was in England. Uh, yeah, he went back to Cambridge and he started a homosexual relationship with a poet. Uh, I, the only name I have for him is Neuberg. Oh, Neuberg. Yes. Neuberg. What's the lobster in um, the lobster? Zoidberg. Zoidberg. <laughs> in Futurama. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so it's, it's around this point he's like, what I really need to do is talk to a demon. I need actual contact with a demon. I need to do something, uh, which you, which started the the book of the law thing. He he believed that he was uh, had the demon talking to mm. him, but he's like that wasn't enough for him. He wanted to go further into. Once it. you go demon, 
you can't, can't beat Ooh. this scene. Yeah. It's the only thing that rhymes. So he went back to Cambridge. He found Neuberg, a poet. Who he began a homosexual Please relationship refer it with. To him, but he's Zoidberg. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Crowley kind of saw him as a like as pretty weak and easily yeah. kind of led. So took him out to the Sahara Desert, and I believe they travelled into the Sahara for two days, and they were on I think it was a mixture of uh, hash and mescaline. Where they summoned a demon called uh, Coronazon. In the in the documentary I was watching, Crowley was inspired by Coronazon to perform a sexual act. It didn't say with himself or with the demon or with Neuberg or, or what it was. Oh, any holds a goal. But apparently had all these revelations. He needed to start a religion. And um, It's like the English patient if it was written by a 17-year-old goth. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> but when he left the desert, he left Neuberg as well. And, and this is before Leah and Neuberg. You could say he deserted ag- him. Hey. But Neuberg, again, just destroyed mentally after that. He was never the same after his experiences in the Sahara Desert. It's it's like Crowley takes people for for test drives and rides the clutch the whole way. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. So after World War One. We get to the cult stuff pretty mm, much, yes. which is actually a shame for this podcast because it's a minor part of the whole crowd. Yeah, it was like three years, I believe. Yeah. Yep. But they converted a house into the Abbey of Thelema. Take me to your compound. Thelema, Thelema. Thelema. I wrote down a phonetic spelling of it from the documentary that I was watching. Right, good. (laughs) I'm going to say Thelema. (laughs) What about Louise, though? Louise? Thelema and Louise. It's one of my favorite movies. Oh, boy. (laughs) So, the Abbey of Thelema, he was inspired by a 16th century writer called Francois Rabelais, Mm. who wrote a satire called Gargantua. And Pantagruel, which is what I call my boobs, um, that mentions an abbey of Thelema. (laughs) It's hard to get an idea properly of what life was like there, even though lots of people have written about it. So we had a number of students, I guess, followers. Yeah, disciples, followers, yeah. And you have to go through a number of initiations or ordeals. And these all seem to be borrowing strongly from other religions, being accomplished in yoga and breathing and meditation and that sort of stuff. And drugs. Yeah, and drugs and, and sex. sex. And uh, I believe I believe the, the foundation of the religion, let's put hmm. religion in, in inverted commas here, the cult, the foundation of it was to test the limits of and, and push the boundaries of sex and drugs and the occult, no matter what the consequences were. Yeah, and he said that a lot of the sex magic stuff, this is where that stuff really took hold, where sex was part, sex magic was part of the whole magic religion thing. Where the rubber hits the road. <laughs> the user. <laughs> <laughs> and it, as we said, he did like rubbing. Um, <laughs> was that you can do whatever you lo- want sexually, and you should press uh, push the boundaries. But sex is a sacrament, so as you can do whatever you like as long as it's a religious experience. Mm. And that whole thing where they would get closer to a trance uh, via orgasm and all that sort of stuff. So they're doing. A number of things in the Abbey, they're doing... There, there are a lot of stories about the rituals that were performed <sighs> in the Abbey, and which they're is, all pretty interesting. Which is great! But they're also worshipping Ra, the sun god, whatever. They had to study Crowley's writings, which were copious. Lots of yoga, ritual practices. The general object was for them to devote themselves to the great work of discovering and manifesting their true will, Mm. which sounds a lot more boring than what actually went on. (laughs) There was one website just called The Wonders of Sicily. It's kind of a tourism website, but it's got great big chunks of it devoted to the rented house and wouldn't you be pissed off if you were the landlord? 
I'm worried about flooding my top floor. <laughs> These guys. It's funny you say that. In a documentary I watched, this guy who was a very big uh, Crowley fanatic, he actually broke into the Abbey. So the, the, the Abbey is still there. Oh, I saw that one. Yes. Mm. And uh, it's been boarded up and, and shut down and the locals are too scared to go in there. And he kind of broke in and had a look around. and Some of the murals are still there. Yeah, some yeah. of the murals are still there. and uh, We probably should have mentioned the murals before now. And apparently he'd have his followers uh, sit and stare at the, the paintings for hours and hours and, and kind of uh, replenish their sexual energy from looking at them. How cute. That's, that's it's very it's sweet. This quote from The Wonders of Sicily mm. starts with one of my favourite names ever. Mary Butt, one of Crowley's recruits. Is that with one or two teeth? It's with two. Mary Butt, one of Crowley's recruits, pointed out, it was one thing to partake in the rite of preparing the cakes of light in which Crowley, in a scarlet and black robe, sacrificed a cockerel for its blood but quite another to participate in bestiality. Mary Butt draws the line at bestiality. <laughs> now, she met, while we're in Sicily in the rented house, uh, she men- Mary Butt mentions the cake of li- cakes of light. Mm. I'd like to talk about cake of light. Yeah. It, they, there was, what they, there com- was a what they of, comprise of. There was a lot of caking. <laughs> So it's basically an imitation of the Eucharist, which mm. I'm not a Catholic, but I understand, you know, that whole you get the communion wafer thing. Mm. It was very much like a communion wafer and in that it was covered in sin. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I mean, it's a jizz, Bicky. It's, mm. it's a wafer. And in true Crowley fashion, he's taking something from established Christian religion mm. and and fucking with and it and fucking with it and probably fucking with taking it taking it into the opposite direction so i have a quote look he was trying new things i think it's from that welcome to sicily thing, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which they don't pull any punches. a font of knowledge so it's a bicky with bodily fluids on it and this is from his Mainly writing. semen and period blood. Mostly. Yeah. It says the best blood is of the moon, monthly. Then the fresh blood of a child or dropping from the host of heaven. I don't know what that means. But dropping is disgusting. Uh, then of enemies. Then of the priest or the worshippers. Last of some beast, no matter what. Mm. So after your enemies and children, just... Beasts. The blood of an animal. Mm. But they would also just put come and shit on it. Basically. It's like the world's worst Oreo. <laughs> so anyway, that's the cake of light. Mm. Also from the Wonders of Sicily. I'm sorry, I'm really harping on it. No, please. Uh, I, I'm fascinated by But it by describes the life at the Abbey. It says Crowley offered a libertine education for the children because there were children around because everyone's fucking allowing them to play all day and witness acts of sex magic. Also, magic is spelt with a K. Yes, with a K. Exactly what those people at university would have done. Magic happens. He occasionally (laughs) travelled to Palermo to visit rent boys and buy supplies. Mm -hmm. One would argue that this is that that's the same thing. Same thing. Uh, including drugs. Look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dehumanize the rent boys like that. Okay. I'm so sorry. Look, it's your house. You can do what you want. But his heroin addiction came to dominate his life, and cocaine began to erode his nasal cavity. Mm. There was no cleaning rota, and wild dogs and cats wandered throughout the building, which soon became unsanitary. Mm. I would say. The word soon is doing some heavy lifting there. Yeah. <laughs> I would have said about year two, uh, things would have been Instant, unlivable. instant. They instantly Yeah, there was another year along. As soon as the first cake of light was eaten, things got unsanitary. Also, loads of drugs. Mm. I have a list. Hash, opium, and cocaine is what I've got. You but have there's, a list. there's more. Heroin, cocaine, mescaline, solvents, and cannabis. Which is, mm. you know, half of those are the same thing. Yeah. 
And so in 1922, while they were there, Crowley published the fictional book, Diary of a Drug Fiend, which is exactly the kind of book someone writes in year 11 <laughs> wearing an ACDC t shirt. I'm talking yeah. to you, Shane. Yes, yeah, Shano. Oh, I've got a bit more on the um, on the murals as well. This is oh, from yeah, yeah. Atlas Obscura. It. it says, Crowley's own bedroom, labelled by himself as La Chambre, the room of nightmares in French, was entirely <laughs> hand-painted by the occultist with explicitly erotic frescoes, hermaphroditic goblins. I feel like maybe he was just not good at painting genitals, so they were hermaphroditic <laughs> goblins. Yeah, maybe he changed his mind halfway through, as he's True. wont to do <laughs> in most endeavours <laughs> in his life. <laughs> yeah, I'm bored with painting these genitals. Uh, Let's move on. This pussy is shit. <laughs> he needs a dick. <laughs> and vividly coloured monsters. This private room was used for specific night initiations mm. involving psychoactive drugs, which gave terrifying cinematic life to this Bosch-like vision of hellish debauchery. I think Bosch-like vision of hellish debauchery is a T-shirt. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the curriculum vitae. I'd have to wear that every day. Yeah, that's right. But it only lasted a couple of years because well, someone can, had to fucking die. Yeah. Can, can I weigh in on a few things about yes. about Thelema before we we, Absolutely. we we move off it? Yes. Some of the rituals were pretty insane. Like Leah, who we were mentioned before, she was involved in a... <laughs> a a ritual repast. Yeah. A not safe for work a ritual where she was mounted by a goat sexually. <sighs> Uh, the goat did his business and at the point of climax had its throat slit. That's not nice. It was like a commune kind of vibe. So mm. people were raising their families in this environment. As you mentioned, the children wit witnessing all the sex acts and whatnot. They're from families of disciples. Uh, but there was like... Probably, those children had probably named the goat. What are you doing to Susan? Well, there was, there was a Thelema dog as well, which no. is a mas mascot. Poor as far dog. as I know, not involved in any of the rituals, but it could have been. I don't know. My research is spotty at best. What but, was the uh, dog's name? The dog's name was Satan. <laughs> that's why. Is I, that true? Yeah, that's the only reason oh, I wanted to bring awesome. it up because they had a dog named Satan. It probably got because there's considerable debate over whether Crowley was a Satanist or not. And I think that's. One of the thing, one of the arguments for. I don't think he he particularly followed any one religion. I think he borrowed from everywhere. Absolutely, I think he was mostly concerned with himself. Yeah, yeah, it was whatever suited him at the time. And he realised that things of a satanic bent pissed off Christians the most. Yeah. I gotta say, there's there's a lot not to like about Crowley, but there was a lot about him that I actually enjoyed. And I like someone. Okay, if you had the money and mm. the time, which he did, he chose to take pleasure out of upsetting the dominant religion. Mm. I dig it. The norm, the yeah, the yeah, the, 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 zeitgeist, the rule makers, the, yeah. Shit, yes. The fact that it usually takes egomaniacs to do that mm. is an unfortunate little detail, mm. but it works. Right, Julian Assange. <laughs> yeah, right, Elrond. All this stuff aside, I interrupted you when you were saying someone had to die. Someone else to die the guy that did die yes has another awesome name his name was it's the it's the biggest porn star reginald name ever. wonder thrust it's raul loveday oh i mean that's even oh better. raul there's so, two stories about how he died well there was a rumor that he died from drinking the blood of a cat i thought it was urine but in my notes it says blood look potato potato <laughs> So he dragged his missus to the to the cult, but uh, she wasn't into it. Mm. But he loved it. So she was saying that he took part in this satanic ritual and died as a result. 
But it was basically Crowley told them not to drink the local water. Mm. And he drank the local water. Right. So it's yet another opportunity where he said, got to say, I told you so. So it could have been the, the, the blood of the cat thing could have been the locals kind of going, ah, oh, they were doing all this depraved stuff. Yeah. Like he probably did drink the blood of a cat, well, which did, is cleaner than most people been think. Unrelated, yeah. But this is when the whole world got to hear about. Yeah, because his wife went back to England, right? And yeah. went to the press and said, this is what's happening over in Sicily. She fucking squealed, man. Yeah. And so the British press hates him. And Mussolini, Mussolini expels him. him. Notorious him. spoil sport. <laughs> Mussolini chucks him out. Uh, just jealous. <laughs> Mussolini's just jealous. Just jealous. That's a t-shirt. Hashtag just jealous. I mean, that was kind of it. Yeah, well, that was the end of Thelema. Three-year run. But, look, think about how long three years is. (laughs) Think about where you were three years ago. And think about if you spent that whole time since then until now taking drugs, fucking everything imaginable. Uh Uh-huh. Drinking and eating mm. all the fluids. Well, it's going to be a stretch, but okay. I mean, that's a long time a long to be time. doing something like that. It's a long that. time. It's a long time. It took its toll. It took its toll on a lot of the followers and uh, yeah. and on Crowley as well. And we haven't mentioned most of his partners or most of his children, but there were some. There were there are a few. There's one coming up that uh, yeah. I want to mention because well. he didn't. Love most of his children or take an interest. Mm. Besides one. Yeah. Mm. And that was when, because he'd moved back to England after being. The cult leader. Expelled by a bastard. Yeah. Moved back to England. Declared bankrupt. And he was in this. You've got to think when Mussolini says that you're too much of a prick. Right? You're a prick. (laughs) He lost a court case. So he was he sued someone for defamation for calling him a the the wickedest man in the world or whatever they yeah, would call whatever. him. Whatever. Most of his trust fund was gone and then he spent the rest of the money on this court case. So he was bankrupt. He was bankrupt. He had a massive heroin addiction. Yeah. And he was living in a boarding house in Hastings, I believe. But just, just like the all... total opposite of yeah. what he was used to. There was a lady called Deirdre. And she went to court and she watched this guy who had literally eaten shit on a biscuit Mm. lose a court case. Yes. And went, that there, that's the father of my child. That guy, that guy fucks. Yeah. I should have some of his semen inside me. Yeah, yeah. I should spawn. Yeah. And she went up to him and she went, baby. And he went, he's like, yeah. Okay. I'm not doing anything else. Yeah. <laughs> and so, they didn't really have that much of a relationship. No, just... it was make the kid. Uh, well, what was the kid called? Uh, Alistair. Ataturk. Ataturk. Doesn't that sound like a machine gun? It does. Ataturk. 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 Ataboy. And that was the only child he ever loved. Yeah, so he would actually spend time with this kid. <laughs> he became a good parent instead yeah, of just a Yeah, he became a, a dad. Leader. I think, look, there is a big case for Colin Crowley a piece of shit. He, there is a massive case for yeah, it. You would be uh, hard-pressed to prove that he wasn't a massive, massive piece of shit. But once he couldn't afford heroin anymore, God, he was a good father. <laughs> I did watching the documentary and look, I, I was which pretty, documentary? Let's give credit where credit's due. Uh, I, was I watched it, a couple. Was it the wickedest man? Yeah, in the, the world? wickedest yeah. man in the world. Yeah, and as terrible as he was to a lot of people, I couldn't help but feel bad for him when he was in this state. That's right, because he did. He shook things up, and the thing that had let him shake things up, mm. and we're all right now. He's dead. The world needs shaking up. <laughs> His dick and the fact that he had the money and the time to go and shake things up. One of the saddest things about that part of his life when he was penniless and kind of living hand to mouth and 
and just, well, <laughs> in a different way than yeah. what he was used to, was he dedicated so much of his life to sex, uh, yet he couldn't sustain an erection. He couldn't get it oh, up. I didn't know that. Yeah. I feel genuinely sad for him. In a lot of his journals, he would he would write stuff like weak erection <gasps> or... Oh, that would stuff. kill him. And, yeah, so the, the thing that he based his life around, he couldn't really partake in. Oh, it's like a Kardashian yeah. getting a wrinkle. It's really weird, but in some ways I do feel bad for him. Yeah. Even though he was entitled as fuck and he was rich and... And he squandered it and he died exactly. penniless in a boarding house. One of the big things about him is that after his death, there was just this resurgence in the 60s mm. of people and of, of people admiring him. And that gives rise almost to the six degrees of Alistair Crowley. I've got a fairly randomly, it's not a chronologically ordered list, mm. of people both at the time and after he died that have referenced him or that knew him mm. because I think he could effectively do a six degrees. So the obvious I think you mentioned before, Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, yeah. Well, he had Mr. Crowley. Insert the audio cue here. Uh, no, I won't. Just very short. So I won't because so I respect music copyright. Timothy Leary reckons he's the continuation of Crowley. Mm. He, he, was a, he was a strange fellow in himself. Yes. Uh, the Beatles, obviously. John Lennon in particular, yeah. I had Paul McCartney in particular. Oh, really? Oh, those guys. I, I heard a lot of stories about John Lennon being fascinated and trying to follow oh. the... And, of course, they put an image of Crowley on the cover of Sgt. Pepper's. The yeah, that's right. Rolling Stones were into him. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page had bought some experiences. the house on Loch Ness. Yes. The... Boleskin. Boleskin, that's right. The one where the six-month thing was abandoned and therefore he just left all these spirits haunting the house. Uh, and the motto, do what thou wilt, is inscribed on Led Zeppelin's Led Zeppelin Three vinyl. Mm. David Bowie? Bowie. Well, let's say Bowie. <laughs> yeah, let's. <laughs> referenced him in the lyrics to Quicksand. Bowie... Uh, was fascinated by Jimmy Page's experience with the oh. Crowley house, invited him over, asked him about it, and was like, yeah, what, so what happened? Tell me all about it. I'm, I'm fascinated. And uh, Jimmy Page kind of saw Bowie as not the real deal. He's like, uh, this guy's oh. just a, a tourist in the Crowley kind of thing. And just kind of sat in silence and stared at him until Bowie asked him to leave. <laughs> Dare anyone call Bowie a tourist of anything? Look, uh, I'm not Australia. Look, if I had to choose between uh, Bowie and Jimmy Page, I'm going to choose Bowie every time. And Elron Hubbard, we mentioned him earlier. He mm. was completely fascinated with the sex magic stuff. Ian Fleming and Roald Dahl. Wow, I didn't, I didn't see out. those names. They hung out. Wow. We mentioned Bram Stoker before. Yep, Six Degrees works well. Um. I think we're in random facts territory. Random, random, random facts. I'm talking random facts. I'm talking random facts about cults and that. Cults and that. That is the most perfect thing I've ever heard. One of my favourite bits of sex magic, which is called erotocomatose lucidity. Oh. Which is a thing where, and you need assistance to do it. They mm. call them aids, but I'm going to call them assistance. Yeah. That's uh, well, a good choice, I think. Aids, yeah. Okay. Where the job of the aids is to keep the ritualist, in inverted commas, in a state somewhere between actual orgasm and complete exhaustion. Mm. So you want them to, you stimulate them sexually until they're almost at the point of, of orgasm, but you don't let them reach it. you And they get so tired of being in this advanced state of sexual stimulation, they almost fall asleep, but you wake them up by fiddling with their bits some more. And that's supposed to uh, put you on this higher transcendent plane. I just feel like I would want a nap. My favourite random fact, mm. because it just places him so... Deeply in nerd town. 
was that <laughs> he's even though he's this massive prolific writer, his first ever publication was as editor of the Eastbourne College Sussex's weekly chess newsletter, oh. Chess Notes. <laughs> oh shit. It was actually called Chess Notes. It was called so. Chess Notes. Wow. And my patriotic duty is served because there was a goddamn Australian at the Abbey of Thalema, Thalema, and he was called Frank Bennett. Frank Bennett. Yep. Yep. <laughs> he probably called it root magic. Oh, but I, like someone having just undergone erotocomatose lucidity, <laughs> oh, there I got it out. You're I'm spent. spent. I am spent. I understand. Plus, you know, being in a room with me for any period of time. It's exhausting. It's like being you. with Crowley. It's by, like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, you, you're going to have to undergo therapy from that. So I suppose there's nothing else to say except please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. Join a cult. Decide for yourself. Let, let Will, what was the thing again? It's not the responsible thing I'm looking for, but thank you very much. <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> You've been listening to Zealot, produced by me, Joe Thornley, with a great recipe for biscuits. My co-host for this episode was Gary Smith, an enigma wrapped in a riddle, wrapped in an Olivia Newton-John t-shirt. Further reading and disgusting poetry can be found on the Zealot Facebook page, and music is by the Everglades, the towel you need when your house floods. Meh. <laughs> Cults.